0: Let's get started. Here is your host, Vincenzo Toscano.
1: Hello guys, welcome to another episode of The Commerce Lab, the place of everything related to Amazon FBA and e-commerce. My name is Vincenzo Toscano, founder and CEO of Ecomsi. Today we have another special guest. His name is Danny McMillan. He is the founder and host of Seller Session, which is one of the top podcasts and live events in the space when it comes to advanced Amazon sellers. Because of the extensive experience around Amazon that Danny has, I thought that one of the best topics we can touch today for sure is the A9 algorithm, which is going to be the thing that we're going to be talking today. Now, without any further delay, let me introduce Danny. Thank you for coming. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the show. Good to see you again. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I mean, I follow you since the very beginnings of my e-commerce journey. Setup sessions was always on my ears in terms of strategies, the latest news. So I follow you for a very long period of time. So for sure, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Great. So before we start with today's topic, which is A9 algorithm, I always Mm -hmm. like to for sure first start with an introduction of the person I bring on board. So I know for sure a lot of people already know you. But for the people that might still not know you, can you briefly give an introduction of who you are and and where you come from in terms of the commerce space? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So effectively, I discovered Amazon in 2015. I'm originally from the music industry, went into the tech industry, which led to being online commerce tickets in the music (laughs) industry as well as the latter part. And then in 2015, I decided I want to reverse engineer marketplace because I've sold online and everything else. And originally I looked at eBay, and um, so at that time, I didn't really have any experience. Obviously, everyone's done a little bit of selling on eBay, you know, yes. listing second-hand goods, because it's more like a flea market. So just to test, test it there, I didn't even know Amazon FBA existed. You looked at Amazon, hmm. you didn't realize the, the wall behind it, right? Yeah. And I remember this was the 31st of March 2015. Uh, and the reason I remember it is because prior to that, I was looking into eBay. I was on the eBay forums. I packed up some stuff around the house, took pictures in the sunshine, in the garden, you know, all very ghetto-level stuff.
1: <laughs>
2: As yeah. I walked to the end of the road, I realized that the post office had shut down two years ago. I'd already been working from home, mm. running businesses anyway. And, uh, you know, it's like you put your head down, you're working 10, 12 hours a day on your projects. And it was one of those times where it's like you need to find your thing. You're like you're in between the product uh, projects, So I did the music industry. And then I went into tech. And then from there, there was like this little airspace where I was testing loads of different things. Yeah. Um, Most of them service-based businesses from PPC. So everything I have is kind of been derived from a format of PPC because when I discovered Amazon, that's when in 2015, they would have just introduced PPC on the platform or it's very near around that period.
1: Yeah. The good times.
2: (laughs) And so what happened is once I come back with my towel between my legs, after... um, going to the end of the road, find out it's shut down because I don't drive. I never learned mm, to drive. I've spent most of my time DJing or in the studio or commuting to London, you know, and I've never got round to learning to drive. So obviously eBay is no good for that if you're selling one item at a time and you have to go and yes. get a bus. So all your margin disappears, your time in your day disappears and everything else. When I went back on the eBay forum, there it was. There was a URL, Amazon FBA, Click through and went, what's this? And I went, that is it. And I get a little shiver now. I knew from that moment on, this is what I've been looking for. And then I kind of built from there. Um, so that was 2015. I've done three test products in the UK. And even at the time, because there's was the experimenting with the early formation of PBC sponsored products on, on Amazon, I actually done a video still up on YouTube now, 2015 to show you the correlation between uh, buys through PPC and how the affects ranking. Now that's a change, a huge amount, because conversion rate is one of the biggest factors now. Yeah. No matter how much money you spend or burn, if you don't yeah. have a tremendous conversion rate, it's going to have a knock-on effect to your organic ranking. Yeah. So um, we did that, launched those three products, and then went boom straight into the US further than November, and that's when I first launched. Um, and from there, it moved into well. I started to do a lot of the meetup events and stuff in the UK. We're running those. It wasn't very scalable. Um, mm. You get a high churn rate of people. And the, and the level I wanted to speak to people at was the barrier to entry were low because you're putting on events, free alcohol, free food, free content. <laughs> so you get a churn rate of tire kickers, yeah. people that come in and come out and come in. So you have a higher churn rate. And then by the time we've done that and talking about our early journey on Amazon and everything else, at the beginning of 2017, we launched Seller Sessions, which wasn't a podcast, right? So this is something for people to to learn about finding your market fit in what you do. Yeah. Right. Um, It's the same with like you might pick 10 marketing channels, nine won't work and you double down on the best one. Yeah, for sure. And so what happened with that is we got to a point where we were doing webinars every two weeks. So we kind of built a list from the webinars. The webinars yeah. were falling over because everyone's in hotels with poor dial-up rates. So <laughs> it wasn't a great experience for the end user. Yeah. Then we took that and then we sent the traffic to YouTube. So started doing once a week, YouTube, mail the list, get the algorithm, you know, you know get some signals there where external traffic and started to build it from there. We built an array of shows from there and then we go okay let's do a blog yeah so we we built sellersessions.com and then back optimized all the content with show notes and everything else and drove traffic there but these were all single digit growth by the time we got to october we would had 30 odd shows in the background Mm -hmm. and then decided we're going to do a podcast so we extracted the audio from the videos we already had show notes in place and everything else and it just took off like a rocket ship so we actually found the medium that was ship. Yeah. um from now i started to speak uh around europe and stuff and then i met dr ellis whitehead who uh, and this is how we got data for now so at the time he was uh, an algorithm expert in the data science working on the original algorithm over at jungle scout that's great so when he came to me and says i want to start a ppc software <laughs> i said you're crazy not going to touch yeah. it Then we looked at it, and then the original formation of Databrill was to work with brands with a tremendous amount of SKUs because all the agencies found it a headache because they were pricing per SKU basis on their monthly contracts and everything else. So we we focused on seven, eight-figure sellers. It was more larger accounts. That's adapted now. And from there, things kind of grew. So from that, we've done the first seller sessions live in 2019, then we launched the Seller Power Awards, and then after that come Branded by Women. So we're now on the third Seller Sessions, the third Branded by Women. This one will be uh, offline, and this year is the fourth annual Seller Power Awards.
1: Wow, what a journey for sure, <laughs> long way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think for sure that that's a huge Israel. I follow you as I said from the very beginning, and I think that happens to some people in the space that when we discover Amazon FBA, then we discover that it's not just about selling a product. It's yeah. about also some people as you're doing building a community events. podcasts. Yeah. there are so many ramifications within the Amazon FBA, which yeah. I think for sure gives a space for everybody, which is great.
2: Yeah. So and and the thing is, most people do start out as sellers. Like I will return back as a seller. It's only in about last eight months to a year that I haven't been a seller, and that yeah. I did a, a, a buyout across my three businesses. Um, so I own all the businesses now. I mean, Ellis is co-founder of Databrill, but I own everything yeah. now exclusively outside of that deal. That's and great. so what I did was last year dialed out the brand and was going to put all that money into a new brand, which we've yeah. got six products for and everything else. Uh, but it, it doesn't make any sense at the moment because at the time logistics would have killed us. So let's yeah. say I launch that new brand in January of this year. It would just kill us. So now it's a waiting game to return back as a seller, yeah. which will happen. Uh, but now we're going to, you know, you see them with the war and stuff, material uh, costs. Are it's going crazy. Up. So, yeah. you know, timing, you know, we, we talk about and I use a boxing metaphor here. You've got uh, speed beats power. But timing beats everything, and so you still need <laughs> before you can go get speed to market. You got to get you got to hit your timing mechanism yes. correctly as well. So I will return back as a seller because that's my bread and butter. I love doing that. But with everything that's going on, and I've got a world tour this year speaking EU, yeah. Australia, chop um, mainland China, uh, Hong Kong, Singapore, Europe. Wow. US yeah, tour. <laughs> so there's a lot going on. So that will take place for the rest of the year. And then I'm um, looking forward to returning back to my bread and butter as a seller <laughs> and excited to start a new brand next year, you know? That's great. That's great.
1: Good. Very nice. Um. Now let's slowly start jumping into today's topic, which yep. I know you like a lot and you have good experience around, which is the a and an algorithm. Yeah. So let's start by introducing what is this A9 algorithm and mm-hmm. how it works in essence.
2: Yeah. Well, basically, Amazon across all their platforms have to work out a way to take a billion, billions of data points and then build relevance around those data points. With majority of this is coming through search on a 10,000 foot view. Yeah. So they uh, effectively, uh, most of it is built around machine learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they've got to effectively process billions of data per, uh, points through purchases, interactions on the platform. So this is why uh, with A9, this is behavioural. This is, this is what a lot of people can kind of uh, forget as well. It's, it's, but it's in essence, it's around behavioural aspects and obviously uh, relevance as well. And so the, the backbone here is gradient boosted trees. And effectively, these are decision trees, which is a a machine learning technique for optimizing the predictive value uh, of a model through successive steps uh, in the process. And what they do is they use uh, gradient-boosted trees with pairwise ranking. And effectively, in in the layman's term, pairwise is a way of assigning weights to those. Um, So effectively, they're using... uh, endless training models, but in order to get there, it's like a very, very complex process that's impossible to get right all the time because it's based around the context of what is relevant versus what is not. And that kind of gives you, you know, an overview. And uh, my business partner, Ellis, he gave me an example because there's kind of this, um, what's the word for it? snooty sneering between (laughs) machine learning and statisticians right so statisticians you've got more of a um, controlled environment whereas he calls machine learning like a big bag of hammers all of different sizes that get thrown out the bag and Mm -hmm. then you don't get as much control over it but the people that are into machine learning think it's all magical and stuff like that. so it's way above my pay grade I'm not an engineer or anything but yeah, I find it's sure. kind of interesting in those uh in those dynamics you
1: know yeah I mean it's very interesting because just as you're explaining right now AI for sure can give you a great benefit but if you don't control it that could potentially affect the whole overall performance of Amazon uh, system because if the AI for some reason start getting like not under control you must yeah. start losing all the ranks or positioning for specific products or things like that which yeah. is going to affect performance now um ai a9 sorry for mm-hmm. sure is also driven by specific metrics right when it comes to making decision
2: right well it's not it's they use a complex set of training models called a feature selection and so what okay. they'll do is let's just say they will design a training set and they'll have 150 features And they've got what's called forward selection backwards elimination. And so what they will do is they will assign these number points. So one to, uh, say, 150. Yeah. And what they do is then they nest down. So they'll go, they'll take that 150, run tests, take it down to 50, and then reduce that down to 20 more so that they're honing in. But they'd also put randomization in there as well. So to give you a quick example and it's an extreme example to give you yes. an idea. Let's just say um, they want to run a test on the height of a human, be it a man or a woman. Okay. Right? So in that, they might include age, right? They may include sex because often men are taller than yes. women in most cases. Yeah. And then they'll throw something random in, like uh, astrology sign, which is completely irrelevant
0: yeah, to the I process
2: yeah. or a random number. And so tests are designed rather than going, okay, this is all of the the features and that is it. They have to go through a series of elimination. When you think with machine learning, it learns. Yeah. So they'll take something, they'll learn that process, pull back the data, learn that process, pull back the data, learn that process. And it can just be an end, endless task yeah. of learning, learning, learning until you get a refinement, which is obviously the key point of building around relevance.
1: Yeah, I mean, that doesn't the, the great thing about that is that this for sure is what we see in the market when people try to manipulate the A9 algorithm, yeah. we see that the manipulation doesn't last. And I think it's because of, of what you're mentioning that the system keep reassessing your listing, keep reassessing all the behavior on your listing. And if the performance was just simulated for a few weeks or months and then it yeah. goes
2: down, it, it's going to affect but, you. right? But if you think about it, right, you don't necessarily how do I put it yeah we all massage and manipulate we you know PPC is manipulating yeah the organic yeah. algorithm right because or or at least your attempt is let's do top of search let's have a tremendous conversion rate let's yes. have a knock on effect so it's all manipulation of some kind yeah but the reality is let's look at some of the realities most of the time the when you get to the blackout end of the spectrum through the manipulation it's because the products are shit <laughs>
1: yeah. and then sure. mani-
2: and the problem is you can't polish a turd yeah and so if your products not relevant your price point's not right and the product is shit yeah. of course you're going to need as much manipulation as possible yeah but then bounce off of that if you look at another criteria is that if you go and get a product and you want to go into a really grandfathered in market like electronics yeah. And you can't compete because you can't get top of search. The cost per click's too high. The, the the moat built around reviews is too high and everything else. That becomes the individual decision to pick a market that you can't compete in. It's the same thing like right now, I should have it ready for seller sessions, but I've got the data science team to run these tests. Uh, because one of the most common things someone says to me, Dan, look, why is this not converting? And I say to them, have you checked the average price of the page based on that keyword?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: and they go, no, I went, okay, let's do a search now. Okay. And what I'm hoping to come out of that test is, to, is to prove, uh, is to prove something about premium price products versus lower price products and the velocity of ranking and the impacts it has and the value for money that you often get, because who are you to decide this is now a premium product because your production yeah. cost has spiraled out of control yeah you 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 drink the kool-aid and convince yourself right <laughs> yes. i would i would say that the best way on amazon which is tough it's not an easy task can you produce a premium product for a cheaper price than anyone else yeah that's magic and that's the magic for sure that's magic and yeah. don't forget, like, when you're doing PPC and when you're working on organic rank or whatever your exercises send external traffic, ultimately, all you're doing is amplifying what it already is. If it's a shit product, it's still a shit product. Yeah. Yeah. All, all, all marketing is is an amplification. Yes. That's all sure. it comes down to. So get your product right first. Because you're not going to get conversion rate without visibility. Yeah. And once you've got the visibilities down to the product to do the work and you can write great titles and you can write creepy copy. And yeah, uh, you I know, I was going and, to touch on that. Yeah. yeah that you can is. write whatever you like, but if it's shit, it's still shit.
1: <laughs> I know yeah. it
2: sounds really coarse and hard yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying. Yeah. I yeah. just want like, I try and live in an objective reality. Yeah. Whereas I think, We've got to be careful of living your own truth.
1: Yeah. Your so, own truth
2: is a perspective. Do you see what I mean? But if you can be objective yeah. about stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm, I think the main takeaway from everything you're mentioning is that regardless of all the strategies you may find out there to, for manipulation, if the product doesn't end up sticking to the market like people don't like it, I mean, there isn't really any magic you can do. I mean, no. because the conversions are going to go down then it's, it's a spiral of that as Casey mentions, and then yeah. that's it, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, so um, I mean, for sure, when people hear about the A9 algorithm, it's mm-hmm. something very abstract, it's something very complex. And I know that there isn't much we can do besides making sure we put a great product out there. Mm-hmm. But is there any any maybe considerations people can take, take, or tips, or maybe strategies that you think A9 algorithm Really likes that. For example, external traffic, some strategies like that is something you can touch on. That yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, the hard thing about um, external traffic, yeah, we know there's a signal there. Yeah, but we don't. No one has anything to properly back it up, like concrete, hardcore. This is all they have is their own data, but they don't have nowhere near the amount of data points that you need. Yeah. And that's not to dispel anything. I agree. There is something going on with external traffic. We call it signals. We call it this. We call it that. But no one has any goddamn proof. Do they? No. So we'll cover this at Seller Sessions because they are strategies to work out individually for yourself as part of the content for you to try and do. Because we know what's there, but it's hard to define. And the thing is, people run these strategies and they work for them and they get more cells, then carry on, carry on doing it. The point I'm making is it's not concrete. There isn't the proof to guarantee exactly what it is. And also, none of the science literature, the video content from the A9 team, everything I've got in terms of research doesn't specifically say, we love outside traffic, da-da-da. Yeah. Da. We're reading between the lines, and that's cool because you, you've you got to discover stuff for yourself. Um, yeah. So, you know, what is one of the key strategies at the moment? A discount code, you know, a coupon <laughs> code on your listing. Yeah, a big one. And yeah. run top of, top of search, Yeah. like in terms of legal terms because once you get into giveaways and all yeah. that kind, do, you, do you see where I'm coming from? And I'm not saying that's guaranteed to work, but – when you've got a nice, bright uh, coupon code sitting on the listing and you're in a, top-, and you're yeah. in a top-, top of search placement, you've got a decent price. People eat with their eyes. The images are good. You're using the right keyword because a lot of the time you find is it really comes down to relevance It's too much to get into now. But I did do a show, if you don't mind me mentioning, sure, for sure. which is the po- it's the five point system to dial in for relevance and the, and the key factor behind it what we covered on the show is like you have a number between one and five. Your four and fives are the ones that are super dialed in. Your three is your category market. Your ones and twos are nowhere near as relevant, but they could convert and they could have a lower conversion rate. And one of the biggest things I find what people do, which is great, is that point of differentiation. So what what you've got to be careful of is that you differentiate so much, you go away from the core keywords. And then you're into neighboring keywords with lower conversion rate. Then you go, or oh, let's try gift keywords. Now, yeah. gift keywords are going to be very tough to deal with as well. I know people that sell businesses based on nailing the gift keyword thing, but what you do with gift keywords, you're going into a lottery. Yeah. So you might go in and say gifts for girls. The only relevance on that page of when they turn up is one, it, they're looking for uh, um, ideas yeah. So effectively, you enter a lottery of the individual taste of that person. Do they, they like, your like ideas? Yeah. That's the thing. And that's where inherently you, your conversion rate is going to be lower. Most of these products have tremendous amount of reviews and grandfathered in as well. So the the um, unless you start hitting more of the longer tail, the toughest part, I think, or what most people still get wrong today, they focus so much on search volume rather than the frequency rank and using brand analytics report, because a lot of the, the tools are brilliant at producing keywords. But if your keywords are not in the brand analytics report, which is based around sales and depends where you are in the frequency rank range, mm. then a lot of those may generate you impressions without sales. And but you sure. might get a miscommunication of the val- of validation of the product. Meaning, If you get, um, say, the U.S. marketplace has long tail. Europe doesn't have long tail. It has additional keywords, but it's not long tail. So that same product that's got market fit in Germany might have 10 related keywords versus 100 in the U.S. based on the third party tool that does search for it. But you run a brand analytics report and you might find there's only five in the U.S. and three in Germany. Now you're moving towards a zero-sum game. So it's better yeah. to be relevant than volume, but you need enough volume to warrant the sales to create the velocity to get the ranking. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure, it's tricky. Yeah, hundred percent, totally agree with you. Great. Um, now I wanna start touching on something that for sure you get a lot of questions, which is the meets the around a nine, which is a ten, is already out there.
2: No, it's <laughs> the nonsense. A- Absolute <laughs> yeah. nonsense. What do you think about that? <laughs> All it is, is just made up clickbait. People just pulling stuff out of their ass. It doesn't exist. It's not in the literature. And why would Amazon throw away A9 to start A10? It doesn't make any, you know, they're, yeah. they're not a software provider in the sense that they're selling, oh, like this is the new update. This is the new version. It is A9. That's what it is. There isn't any more, there'll be internal updates of the algorithm, they'll push the envelope, they'll get new developments and everything else. But it's not A10, n- It's none of it's in the science literature, none of it's in the video content. It's yeah. not out there, it's just blog posts people make yeah. up. If because
1: you it makes YouTube them feel good about that. It. Yeah. yeah, it's I mean, nonsense. It's, yeah. yeah, 100%, great. Uh, when it comes to marketplaces, have you seen that there is maybe some difference in terms of how the Anna algorithm works Maybe in USA compared to Europe, or is is the same essence in terms well, of uh,
2: effectively what happens? Which is another misnomer. People think that with A9, they roll out an update and it affects everything, it doesn't. Yeah, what these are are training sets going back to the feature selection. There's other training sets that they will do with different uh, magnitude for it, and it's done on a category basis, not a globally across the platform. So when we see rollouts, and we may see them choose two categories, they may choose home and kitchen, sports and outdoors. That gives the impression to those people that sell in those categories because a lot of people do within the community because there's certain categories yeah, yeah. that is is full of the Amazon FBA community. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, so they're yeah.
2: all seeing these changes in a couple of these categories. But what about it's, in uh, books or – no, because they're, the they're tests part. that they run. They can pull these tests back, but they do. So when they're running tests, when you get an algorithm update, it's platform basis mm-hmm. okay. on a category level done by different testing a9 scientists and team members that run these tests That's so there'll right. be a team in germany there'll be a team in the uk because you've got to think as well textual context there's three parts of the built-in search including the hunger score there's a cat- category query score and one other that escapes me you think there's a language component to that there's behavioral and there's textual why would someone who doesn't speak ten different languages be working on something to affect Japan when yeah. they're based on the US team? They Make can't sense. run uh, precise tests there. It, yeah. Like the teams are not just all in the US. Yeah, they're localized team for each of these platforms. They may share across. We don't know that because there's no proof of that. Yes, but it's it's done on a uh, category level on the platform, not globally.
1: Yeah, I I think now it makes sense what you just explained, which is some people are within the same categories in the, as you say, the community. And they feel that when they do an update, like updating Windows is the whole Amazon. But now it makes sense why you have explained that.
2: And it's It's easy to believe that because someone puts it on a a post. Someone shares it in a mastermind. Someone does this. And there's a lot of people that sell in the same category. And what are they going to do? I hear you. (laughs) I'm getting the same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they choose three you categories. It
2: romance. might be it might be pets and it might be pets, it might be sports and outdoors, and it might be uh home and kitchen. So there yes. you go. That that's a big catchment in our community outside supplements, electronics, and a few others, right?
1: Yeah, totally makes sense. That's great. Great insight. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. Um, I think to start concluding today, I always like to ask a final question just to make yeah. sure we have covered everything today. So is there any missing tip or maybe area that you feel we didn't call today the, around the a9 algorithm that you yeah. think the audience might find helpful that you would like to touch
2: yeah so uh there's a there's a factor within a9 called negative and positive labels okay, okay. so if we were to draw the conclusion back to listings like i call when people are optimizing listings don't see it as a flat vector yeah. you see it's 3d and what i mean by that is with negative and positive labels when they're running these tests so uh, a, a positive label would be time on the page. It would be clicking and scrolling. It'd be consumption, uh, might be playing a video, etc., etc. They're the positive labels. Then they would then click and add that to cart. That's another positive signal. A negative okay. label is what they do is this listing is become unseen or they left and they clicked on one of the products as they scroll down the product page that belongs yeah. to someone else. Or they come to the page and leave instantly, so there's no time on page. So now it's more about creating an environment of engagement. So a lot of people think, I need keyword stuff in, I need to write this text like this, etc. make it really salesy, da-da-da. No. Engagement. Think about engagement. Because what happens here is you're getting micro credits. And what a micro credit is is one, they landed on the page. Two, they stayed on the page for a period of time. Three, they scrolled up and down and engaged. Four, they clicked on the images. Five, they clicked on the... You know, all of those become micro credits until it hits the cart. Because if you think is that they need the nuances in order on that specific keyword to rank other products. So if you send traffic to your page and it bounces off versus someone who went through and done five actions, including add to cart, they are going to get a stronger signal in terms of adjustment in terms of indexing for ranking versus the one that's bounced off because it shows less relevance.
1: Yes. So see see. about
2: building your listing in the engagement level. How can I keep these people on the page as long as possible, keep them engaged, add to cart, then purchase? Not an easy task. It's a mental process that you change your thought process. 3D versus flat vector, you know?
1: yeah i think i think now everything makes sense usually in terms of when i'm remembering now when many chat was huge i remember some flows people are doing just that like go to a competitor drop off go to my image click on it see the price of the comments and then add to car so i think that comes down to that kind of manipulation people was trying to do, as you mentioned.
2: Well, Add to Cart is a very, very strong signal, but a lot of people yeah. have tried the Add to Cart, um, but it's just not sophisticated enough using Upwork and all those kind of things, or micro <laughs> yeah, yeah. workers. it just doesn't work, you know, and none of that works unless you've got a confirmed set, a uh, uh, purchaser logged in anyway. You can't do it from a logged out process, so none yeah. of that works.
1: Okay, great, thank you. Uh, yes, I mean, I think we call it quite, Big topic today. I mean, we cover great questions, uh, great tips. Uh, we also demystify some things, which is great. Yeah. So um, I think, is there anything else you would like to add before we close today's uh,
2: topic, or do you think we cover everything that's essential? In essence? No, I just uh, just thank everyone for the continued support of, of what we do. with have we've seller sessions. We're up to nearly nine hundred episodes and the work that we're doing with seller sessions Live, branded by women and yeah that's it really is uh we've been around for a while now been in the yes, game here for, for about sure. seven years and uh i'm surprised no one's sick of hearing my voice after the <laughs> episodes but we'll yeah. see we'll see
1: I mean, that's great. I mean, I remember last year when you had that streak of, of almost eighty episodes on a row. That was, huge. yeah, the COVID I mean, run. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Seventy-seven days in in uh, a row we done podcast. Wow, big, big one. I think almost a world record for sure. <laughs> yeah, we did look at the Guinness Book of Records. It didn't go anywhere, but we because it was like, well, it's not a podcast really because it was a live, wasn't it? I see, so I see. And so we didn't hear back, but we wanted to check if that could possibly be <laughs> recorded in the Guinness Book of Records. Yeah. The most cons- uh, consecutive uh, episodes, yeah. episodes from a live webinar or whatever, you know? That's
1: great well before i say bye for sure i want to thank you once again for coming i mean as i already mentioned you're a big idol of mine i learned a lot from you all the content all the events for sure i'm going to be going to solo sessions and branded by women which i recommend everybody hearing and watching this to go grab the tickets before they are sold out and that's it i mean thank you definitely i'm going to have you on a next episode to discuss this or this topic and other ones in the future i'm looking forward to keeping in touch okay Thank you. A pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to The E-Commerce Lab by EcomC. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you are at it, we would appreciate it if you could leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. That will make it easier for others to find out about the show and benefit from it. Want more? Visit our website. At www.ecomc.com, where you can get your first consultation for free. Or find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at ecomc.